0: The real tech experts of RUSD Podcast will provide integration ideas, help you get in touch with other tech experts, and discuss ways to make your instructional tech more manageable. Featuring Julia Ebge.
1: One school just wasn't enough for me. Now I'm integrating tech at five schools.
0: And Randy Venny.
2: I don't need to troubleshoot tech problems. My computer works for me.
0: The Real Tech experts of RUSD is a great way to get ideas in the go. You can listen in the car, during your workout, or over lunch. Since it's recorded, you can always pause and come back at your leisure. And now, recorded from a closet somewhere in RUSD, The Real Techsperts.
2: Welcome to episode 13 of The Real Tech Experts of RUSD. I'm Randy.
1: And I'm Julia.
2: We are two digital immigrants here to draw attention and help understand the differing aspects of our students, the digital natives.
1: So let's jump right in and talk about this term digital native. We're going to define it for you. Um, A digital native is a person who has never been without the internet. They've always had a faster, more powerful computer at their access, as well as computers and technology in general have been an integral part of their life they can't remember a time without technology or computers
2: right and the contrasting term there is digital immigrant which I definitely fall into that category Julia you're kind of on the cusp but you do have to be one or the other it's not like you can uh, get yourself into digital native status as good of a user you are it's all depends on when you were born and that's something you can't fix
1: So as a listener right now, if you work with students, um, start thinking about those students and what their life is like outside of the classroom. What opportunities and interactions with technology and computers do they have? That's a really good point to start with.
2: Right. Digital natives doesn't just refer to what happens inside the classroom. These kids have access to devices outside their classroom. Heck, most of them probably have their own phone or tablet or combination thereof that's in their hand most of their waking moments.
1: They didn't grow up with dial-up internet like I did and that intrusive noise waiting for it to connect.
2: Or grew up with no computer at all like I did. So let's bring this back into the classroom. We want to see what kind of environment and opportunities we digital immigrants can provide for these students. We have to kind of get to their level, show a little empathy and understanding for what their world is like as people who are proficient users of devices.
1: Exactly. So let's go back to that term of digital natives. Mark Prensky actually coined that term, and he has a really interesting quote that we wanted to share with you. He said, the single biggest problem facing education today is that our digital immigrant instructors who speak an outdated language, that of the pre-digital age, are struggling to teach a population that speaks an entirely new language.
2: I I think that's an extremely strong message he's sending out there because it is a matter of language. We have teachers, including myself, I'll I'll be part of this, who were raised on... uh, books and paper and worksheets and drawing and coloring. And that's not to say that those places don't exist in the classroom anymore, but we also have to make sure that we as teachers think beyond those uh, elements of the classroom.
1: And meeting the students halfway, I guess, is how I think of it. Meeting them where they are. So at home, we know they have all those opportunities. I like to think, what opportunity am I giving my students in the classroom for that natural environment, that natural way that they're already accustomed to learning.
2: Yeah, and I think it's hard. We as teachers you know, who are the experts, the college-trained, uh, college-degree-holding educators in that classroom also have to realize that we have to think outside of that training, outside of what we know and what we feel is best practice or maybe just the most comfortable practice and actually get our hands dirty into the world of technology.
1: And that's not to say that you need to start from scratch and only use technology just so that you can put it on a lesson plan and prove to your administrator that you're using technology for technology's sake. So I think later in the episode, we're going to talk a little bit about how that might look in your classroom and give you some tips and tricks on integrating more technology. But for right now, we're going to talk about there are positive and negative aspects of these digital natives in our classroom. So let's talk a little bit about the positive first. Yeah,
2: first, I mean, you, you have a uh self-proclaimed expert in your classroom, it could be that they can help you with troubleshooting. I know it's real easy to call out to your friendly tech integrator or perhaps put in a ticket to the help desk, Um, but at the same time, you may have a handful of troubleshooters sitting right there in your classroom.
1: Especially when you're working with those middle school students and high school students, reach out to them as a resource or at the very least, have them be a resource, maybe not just for you, but for their peers in the classroom. Absolutely. They can can help
2: you and each other. Um, Likewise, I think one thing that holds back uh, teachers is they have to go through the process of not only learning technology for themselves, but then also learning how to teach that technology. And that part of the learning curve may not be as steep as you'd think. These kids already have a good base in front of them. Even the little ones, even the you know kindergartners and first graders have probably held some sort of device at some point in their life. And so... You can't let that intimidation factor stop you from progressing with a lesson. You know, the te- the kids will pick it up flat fast, kind of to paraphrase off of uh, Mark Prensky there. They already know that language, and it's a lot easier to learn the language when you're little.
1: I really like that connection. So another positive that our digital native students have is this ability to multitask. I think... As a digital immigrant instructor, I might think of that as a negative. Oh, man, they're always um, having their phones on. They're listening to music while they're reading. How can they really focus? How can they be engaged and consume that information? But that's a positive. The ability to drowned out all that outside noise to us seems impossible, but these students have grown up with it. So it's really natural for them. Now that's not
2: to say that you as a teacher just have to start having a wide open policy of whatever distractions are happening in classroom happen because not everyone learns that way. But at the same time, if there's a one-on-one scenario or a small group and they have some school appropriate music softly playing while they're working and it's actually keeping them focused, you might want to consider
1: letting that go. Exactly. Take advantage of that. A final thought on the positives of digital natives would be they've grown up with all sorts of resources around the world readily available to them. So Gone are the days where you might need to write into an expert and ask them to interview, wait for that snail mail to come back and forth, and then send the interview questions. Students nowadays can ask an expert within minutes, and that is a huge positive that we need to bring inside of the classroom.
2: Right. Gone are the days of the limited resources of uh, the set of encyclopedias, which may or may not be complete, or whatever magazine subscriptions your library held At the time, the amount of information available to these students and us teachers is mind-blowing
1: and we need to take advantage of that like you said for us as teachers to improve our instruction but the learning experience of our students it's just a disservice if we don't allow that gate to be open to the resources available 100 percent
2: agree. now that's not to say that the uh, world of the digital native is all sunshine and lollipops uh there are some downsides to having them in your classroom one of which is uh let's say they uh get bored and decide that they want to do a few bad things on their computer. They want to do a a bad Google search. They're looking up inappropriate content on YouTube that is still able to sneak through the the district's filter. Uh, One of the things they can do is easily cover up their tracks. If they are smart and well-versed in the ways of how their computer and their browser works, it may be easier than you'd think for them to hide what they've done.
1: Unfortunately, that is a reality. (laughs) Another reality is these digital natives are able to alter settings. So, for example, the uh, the language on a Chromebook, they might know how to make that change, and it causes complete chaos in your classroom, and they're just doing it to be sneaky because they know they can.
2: Yeah, they like to change the colors, too, just because they can, and just because you can doesn't mean it's right. Uh, one more aspect to look at here as far as the potential downside for a digital native is they tend to get bored more easily uh, especially with the non-tech related tasks you know that multitasking has its benefit but then when you window that multitasking down to one simple thing which they may feel is irrelevant they get bored really easily and then that may lead to some of the uh, previously mentioned behaviors Uh, i would say that's even more of a concern than it may have been with us digital immigrants back in the day So both in number and I would say in severity, the pros definitely outweigh the cons. The digital natives have something going for them, which is a positive that we as teachers can learn from.
1: So let's take a minute and talk about some real world examples of how these um, digital natives are interacting in, in the classroom right now. And these may sound comical to you, but we really want to take the time to make this point before we go ahead and share with you some ideas for use in the classroom. So my first analogy would be When your students are going to share their knowledge with you in some culminating project, a lot of teachers go to the good old trifold board presentation, right? And I think of my digital native students. Are they going to take that trifold board and go to a job interview and set it up on the table and say, this is why I should be the one to get the job?
2: No, there's not a chance that PAN's going to hire them, even if they are wearing tuxedos, if they have a trifold with them. Not a chance at all.
1: Did you say PAN? Yeah, pan. I think it's Pam with an M.
2: On that note, a long time ago, maybe even before, you know, you were in high school, uh, calculators were forbidden. You cannot have a calculator in your classroom, and you probably weren't able to do your math while sitting at the computer because you didn't want that to help you. Um, we need to stop looking at computers as a way for our students to cheat. Um, it's it's part of today's reality. They use that technology to the best of their benefit. You need to teach them the skills for how they learn, and additionally, maybe using that computer as a resource for that learning opportunity. Um, same could be said for dictionaries and encyclopedias, those old-school reference materials still have their place. Uh, But that's not to say that uh, just because a kid's looking up a word using dictionary.com versus the Merriam-Webster in the corner that they're necessarily doing a disservice to their education.
1: And I think of myself in that research aspect. You know, if I'm looking for an answer, or if I'm just sitting at home on my couch, I'm not going to go and pull out my encyclopedia to try to find the answer. I'm going to ask my uh, Google Home assistant and say, hey, Google, what is blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's research right then and there. So think about how natural it is for your students and even for yourself nowadays to seek out information.
2: Absolutely. It's, it's so simple and so useful, and it is still learning.
1: Here's our thoughts on how a teacher should approach teaching a room full of digital native students. The biggest takeaway is this mind shift. Teachers need to shift their thinking towards technology. That doesn't mean that there's no place in your classroom for students to handwrite their outline of a paper, but really think about where their students are at, what would enhance their learning outcomes, and how we can support them to be comfortable with what they're already using in their personal lives. Right. Not
2: only you know is that an opportunity for yourself as a teacher to grow, but then you're also preventing uh, potential uh, setbacks from the student's perspective. They may f- actually feel put out by having to take that step back towards uh, paper and pencil methods of uh, jotting down their
1: notes. Exactly.
2: Uh, Things to remember, too, is as a teacher, you're a lifelong learner, which means you need to take this opportunity, this necessity, to better your own skills. Uh, That includes your vocabulary. Become familiar with the terms. In fact... Um, you know, know the difference between a tablet and an iPad. There is a difference. You know, know the difference between a laptop, a Chromebook, and a desktop. Those are seem like simple terminology aspects, but to a student, they use those words interchange not interchangeably. They know the difference, and therefore, if you use the wrong term, you're going to confuse the kids.
1: And also, to model that lifelong learner aspect to your students, don't hide from them that you know I'm learning too, and I'm trying to learn that vocabulary difference for example. I think your students are going to have a lot more respect for you when they see that learning happening right in front of them.
2: There's a lot to be said for that human quality of teaching and that they realize that you're fallible and that you are learning along with them. That's a great point, Julia.
1: We've talked about this a little bit before, but that empathy towards those multitasking skills that our students have already. Again, that's not to say, you know, let them go rogue and multitask and do whatever they want, hoping that they're going to complete the task that You've given them, but really support them and have that empathy towards what's comfortable and natural for them.
2: Right, that you need to understand what's going on in their world. And I know we hear that a lot with the social, social emotional learning that's going on in the classroom. And this is a much lighter aspect to that. Need to understand where they're coming from in terms of technology. Don't uh, sit there and think that they're always goofing around just because they have a device in front of them. That's another. Awesome point. Um, earlier in this episode, we mentioned how there's such a wide range of resources available to the students, much more than we had back in our digital immigrant days. Um, and one thing we have to glean from that is these students need those critical thinking skills to look at all of this, these resources and decide what is effective and what is not, what is useful, what is not, what is accurate and what is not, uh, and therefore solve the problems that come with that myriad of information before them.
1: So ultimately, what this all boils down to is technology is not its own content area. It's not a standalone. There shouldn't be technology time. This ties into our roles as tech integrators. We're here to help support you and your students, these digital natives, on incorporating technology throughout your curriculum into your classroom.
2: I couldn't agree with you more on that, Julia. I think we've kind of put a nice little bow on this topic. We're gonna to come back right after this break with an interview with one of our RUSD's students and also a digital native. We'll be right back. To screenshot your full screen, hold down the Windows key function key, and print screen button simultaneously. The image is saved to your pictures under screenshots. To select part of the image, hold down the Windows key, shift, and letter S. Then use the crosshairs to click and drag to select the part of the image you want. This image is saved to your clipboard so you can paste it where you like. You can save what you see on your screen. Just give it a shot. The more you tech.
1: Today we're chatting with Reese, a senior in Racine Unified School District. He's a digital native, a term that we've been using throughout this episode. So we thought we'd go straight to the source. So Reese, we'll start by asking you to share two truths and a lie about yourself just so that the listeners can get to know you. Okay,
3: thank you for having me. So my first statement about me is that I have two cats at home. My second statement is I broke a leg on a playground when I was younger. And my third statement is is I have a miniature computer lab set out in my house.
2: Oh, very intriguing. All three of those are very believable, so that means You're going to have to do some uh, real guesswork here, I guess, for our listeners.
1: (laughs) Okay, we look forward to hearing out about that. So we're going to start with asking you some questions, Reese. So what is a program or maybe a specific piece of software that you use in school that you think all students should have access to?
3: Well, I am very familiar with Google Classroom Utilities. I think all of our USD students are. Truthfully, I think that learning more office suite programs and utilities that help you manage your time and calendars and other things like that would prove like very, very well in the workforce in that transition. So I think that everyone should look into using Microsoft software, so Word, PowerPoint, Excel, those kinds of tools will really help you later on in life. And truthfully, it's helped me formulate and you know set up my documents a lot better so I'm very glad that I learned all that
2: very good very good um this one's kind of like a wish list question here if you had the ability to buy some device or an app for your school that would help the students learn
3: what would it be and why would you pick that oh goodness wow I actually would have to say something along the lines of a creative suite program like Adobe products Photoshop is a fantastic way for creative students to learn how to you know learn how to edit their photos make themselves appear in pictures like photoshopped in Mm -hmm. um, Premiere for video editing for kids that want to create content and there's a plenty of other utilities Adobe Dreamweaver even for programming it's a fantastic source of it's a wealth of information that is used in the workforce and I really think that that's something that our students could benefit from
2: so what I'm hearing is that you you like the more creative elements of technology in the classroom not just
3: research and uh, regurgitating a, a typed document right I do both on the daily basis so there's that balance between work and play in like in education that should go together with curriculum
1: That's an interesting viewpoint. Very wise beyond your years. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So has there been a time in class when you've helped a teacher solve a tech problem?
3: Actually... Today was one of them. Okay. Uh, during finals, after I completed my work, I was approached by one of my teachers who had a problem with their laptop projecting because they wanted to project the instructions for their next class. And I was able to help set them up for dual displays, which would allow them to, you know, show what's on their computer on their projector. So how did you come across that knowledge? Well. I gained it from working at Racine Unified School District. I am a youth apprentice, and truthfully, it's been a fantastic time. I've learned so much about working in computer sciences in the workforce, and I really don't think that I would have gained that knowledge just from a class or at college, so I'm really happy to have this experience.
2: That's that's very cool. You kind of had that little role reversal there, but you were able to apply some of the knowledge you've learned uh, in a position of uh, employment, too. That's great. Thank you. So, just so it's clear for you uh, listeners out there, just because Reese has this position within the district and is learning on the job, so to speak, doesn't necessarily mean there aren't students within your classroom who can also lend a hand. Uh, You know all your students are probably much more tech-savvy than you'd think. So, Reese... How much time do you spend using technology at home versus at school? You know, the same, a little bit more, a little bit less?
3: I would say just because I love computers and I work with them almost constantly. And I I just answer that question right there. I'm almost always on a computer. That doesn't mean I don't enjoy drawing and sketching sometimes, but just because... I love technology and I'm going into a career field in college with a pur- with this pursuit, I think that I just, I use technology more than the average student. So I definitely spend more time with technology at home.
2: Cool. So you get your, your more than fair share amount of screen time.
3: Oh yes, definitely. <laughs> a little too much.
1: Reese, do you prefer having a device in front of you to read off of, or would you prefer a textbook?
3: Well, since I did grow up at a time where technology wasn't always readily available in the classroom in the early 2000s, you'd have to go to the computer lab because laptops weren't that great and they were expensive. So learning by textbook is something that I had to do when I was a kid. And I think that's how it should be. Everyone should learn how to pull information from text. That's essentially what you're doing in English class. Now... While textbooks are great and they usually give you the information you need, having supplemental information is also fantastic and so e-textbooks and stuff that's on a computer digitally. You can also use the internet as a resource if you're not if the book explains it strangely or you're not entirely sure if you understand the topic, having that second verification source especially if you're all alone say studying at home it's really it's really helpful
2: sounds like you could teach a class on research skills just from that statement alone reese well done uh so one last question to kind of wrap it up here we know your time is valuable how do you see technology playing a role with your future college or career
3: plans well as i expressed before Basically, technology is going to play a role in every part of it. I'm going into computer science or engineering and, you know, in the workforce, you just need those technology skills. So it's especially important that you know or have an idea of what you're doing and how technology will find its way into that. A lot of office work nowadays isn't done on typewriters or word processors. It's done on computers. So having that digital knowledge will always help someone work their way into the workforce.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time and information with us, Reese. We really appreciated this conversation. Yes, thank you.
2: Yes, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll be right back after this break.
1: It's time to show our love for all things Google in this segment called Ask a Google Certified Educator. This letter comes from a teacher at CASE. Dear Google Certified Educator, I want to make digital worksheets for my students, like those ones you can buy on Teachers Pay Teachers. What program would you suggest using to make these digital worksheets? I'm looking for something user-friendly and easily accessible. From Curious at CASE.
2: Hey, Todd, can you field this question for us?
3: Dear Curious, I would suggest using Google
2: Slides. Some people refer to slides as the Swiss Army Knife of G Suite as it is so versatile. It's so much more than a presentation tool. You can change the slide size to match a piece of paper, text boxes, word art, and images can be easily manipulated to create the digital worksheet that's TPT-worthy. If you'd like to make the worksheets digitally editable, you can even add text boxes as placeholders so that students can type directly on the worksheet while in slides. Take some time to try a few options. It will become more familiar the more you work with it. Your tech integrator can also help you with this tool. Thanks for the letter, Todd. In this episode, we observed the digital native in his natural habitat, the screen.
1: We learned how the digital immigrants, also known as teachers, can attempt to seamlessly enter the environment of the digital native.
2: Our main subject, Reese, helped us understand the traditions and habits of the digital native as they make their way through the corridors of academia.
1: If you have comments or questions for us, email the show at taxberts or send us a tweet at Real Tech
2: Follow the Tech Integrators on Facebook and be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, stay techie, RUSD.
0: This episode of Real Tech Experts of RUSD was produced using Adobe Audition. Musical pieces were excerpts from Where's My Jetpack? And May the Chords Be With You both by Computer Music All-Stars, courtesy of Free Music Archive, distributed on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify via Anchor. Copyright, Racine Unified School District.